Hello. Hey. So welcome to another episode of Matinee Matinee. Woo! This week we'll be reviewing um, From Dusk Till Dawn yes. by uh, Quentin Tarantino and Rodriguez, right? The yep, other... Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. Um, yeah, again, we're in different locations, so we're recording over Skype, so I apologize for the sound quality. Yes. But we're recording. Yes. And you can watch From Dusk Till Dawn on Netflix. Um, we should just have mentioned that, that about the other... All the other movies that we've reviewed thus far are available on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Um, or they should be. You know, Netflix sometimes takes stuff down, but... If you're listening to this when we're... If you listen... <laughs> at the time of recording it, they were available on Netflix. Yes. If it's now 2020 and the world has ended because Donald Trump has been elected president, then I don't know if you can watch these on Netflix. But you're probably living the real life of what happened in From Dusk Till Dawn. What? I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, you don't think vampire? Well, okay, yeah, that doesn't give it away. Just FYI, there are vampires. But yeah, so that, I, that's like in the trailer. Well, they didn't necessarily watch the trailer. Here's the, the summary of Netflix, which I'll give you to, to summarize the movie. Um, okay. Uh, well, it's not exactly the summary on Netflix, but basically, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino are these um, robber guys. They're they're criminals, and um, they're trying to escape to Mexico, and then vampires get involved. Yes. So. Yes. Um. Yes. I think it's pretty obvious too that. Like, from the beginning that... Well, yeah, okay. Anyway, I don't know how much is a spoiler, but how much is not a spoiler. I mean, spoiler. we play fast and loose with spoilers, you know. <laughs> I mean, they take hostage... They take a family hostage, but... Oh, yeah, they take Harvey Cartels. Or, what's his name? Harvey? Yeah, Harvey Cartels. Harvey Cartels. Family yeah. hostage. Yeah. Um, should we... Should we talk about our, like, impressions? Yeah, yeah. So... Okay. I, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of Quentin Tarantino's work, generally speaking. Yeah. And I had known that From Dusk Till Dawn was not one of the movies that he directed. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that he was in the cast, and my response was, who would cast Quentin Tarantino? He's a terrible <laughs> actor. Yep. This role kind of works for him, actually, because uh, he's meant to be this really socially awkward guy. And uh, Quentin Tarantino was able to play socially awkward. But, yes, but that's about all he can play. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's a, Quentin Tarantino's. He's in in his movies when he casts himself, he sticks out pretty badly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did not ruin this movie though. He wrote the movie. That's why he was yes. cast in it. And you can see, you can tell his influences on the movie. Um, Totally. Like, when I was watching it, I thought it was clearly a Tarantino script that someone else was writing. Because it didn't look like him, but it sounded like him, you know? Yeah, yeah, I could see yeah. that. Um, and I think that it kind of just broke apart for me. Like, it wasn't... I'm a 
pretty big Tarantino fan. I mean, I thought you were gonna love that. I saw your blog post, and I I thought you were gonna love this movie, but after yeah, having no. seen it myself, that based on my when I was watching, it, I was like, this seems like a movie that Arisa would really like. But it just didn't. It just I don't know. There was something about it that it didn't hold. Okay, I will say that. It is very similar to Grindhouse Death Proof, which, which is a is film Arisa's that I do like. No, it's not my favorite. Like, literally um, every morning she watches Grind, <laughs> the Grindhouse Death Proof. That was just one week <laughs> where every morning that week I watched that movie. No, but um, it is very similar. And, okay, I don't know if this is like a, you know, discriminatory prejudice thing. But I think the fact that in Grindhouse Death Proof... <laughs> there, are women, there are more women, and so you yeah, liked it better. I think because the they were female protagonists who were, like, fighting back against a man who, you know, violently assaulted and murdered women. I feel like that, to me... A lot of women uh, of color, too. Yeah, so. and the, yeah, there, were, there was Rosario Dawson was a part of that cast. And another woman, I forget her name, but she was in... Um, Mad TV, I think. Yeah, so that was more entertaining for me to watch them talk and shoot the shit. Um, and then in this movie, I was kind of just bored. And then also with the action in this movie, I was kind of just bored as compared to the action in the other film. Um, and I think maybe that's partly because just the vampires, I mean, they really channeled like Evil Dead here. In fact, they... They thanked um, one of the creators of Evil Dead 2. I think the director of Evil Dead 2, they had a special thanks to in the credits. And I don't know, it just didn't it just didn't compel me like I wanted it to. I guess I feel like I, I said so I said this about um, last week's film. And it's not something that I say about every film, but I thought pacing was a major issue in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, we talked about vampires and Anyone who talks about From Dusk Till Dawn, they're probably going to talk about the vampires in it. Yeah. The movie's like two hours long. I think the vampires start coming in like hour and 15 minutes into the movie. Like very far into the movie. It feels like there's sort of two-ish movies going on. Yeah, yeah. But that's also the same thing with Death Proof. Yeah, I didn't like Death Proof very much either for the same reason. <laughs> There you go. So then that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a style of film that, I mean, he wrote both of them and he directed death proof. And I think like, you know, that's just a style that sometimes he wants to do with movies. I mean, if you think about like Pulp Fiction is similar in terms of the fact that it's like all it's like different parts, you know, it's not, like conventional, although in that case it's a lot of small parts, whereas in this case it's like two big parts. But Pulp Fiction uh, doesn't try to like convince you it's it's one movie. Movie. I mean, it is a movie, but like the parts are more separated. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, if you think about Kill Bill too, that's also like you know, I wouldn't say I think that's more appropriately paced, but it's non-linear and there's sort of different small stories that go together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he just he tries to do things that are interesting and innovative with time in his. Well, I think film. Quentin Tarantino's big thing is 
trying to make movies that are fun, that yeah. aren't necessarily, um, they're not necessary. They're not always trying to convey this deeper meaning. Although in some cases they are, but generally I think his big thing is just sort of themes and like cool action. Yeah. He, he's not trying to create this very like heady movie. Yeah. I will say that, I mean, there were certain parts that I really enjoyed. The opening scene is classic yeah. Tarantino style. And I, I did enjoy that. The reason why I wanted to see this movie in the first place is I was eating at Kuma's 2. So a shout out to my Chicago peeps. <laughs> yeah. So I was eating at Kuma's 2 and they were playing, I think, the, it was a TV show from Dusk Till Dawn. I think it was yeah. a TV show. Because it was the same scene, but without George Clooney in it. So. Wow. How, is, how are they making a TV show of this movie? I, I saw it from across the restaurant. And, you know, anyone who's been to Kuma's too knows that they play heavy metal music and it's, it's hard to hear what's going on on the TV. But I mean, literally, like, well, we just talked about how the whole pacing, like, it lagged and we felt like this film could have been cut by at least, like, 30 minutes, probably. Well, I mean, what And so how are you going to make it? a series out of... <laughs> I'm not sure I would have cut... I mean, I think... Yeah, I would have. I don't feel necessarily could have cut the movie by thirty minutes. I mean, the most interesting part is the vampires. I would have made that part a lot longer, and just I would have, you know, I would have written a better script. Um, I'm gonna quote you Shade on that. Throne. Shade Throne. Yeah, I'm gonna quote you on that. Write a better script script than Tarantino. <laughs> no, but the thing is, that's so funny that you say that because for me. The stuff before the vampires wasn't, I felt like it did kind of lag, but it was more interesting to me. Like, as soon as the vampires showed up, I was like, okay, when are they going to kill these vampires? I was just kind of yeah, pissed I mean, off. I kind of, I get where you're coming from. I guess, like, I thought the scenes before they got to the, or before the stuff went, before the vampires started showing up, those are better scenes. I just, yeah. I don't think that makes it a, that a compelling of a movie. How do the vampires... Okay, so you would write a better thing. So what would you do with the vampires? I'm, I'm, not, sh I'm not sure <laughs> what I... I mean, I guess I, I would... They probably would have continued having to fight the vampires after they got out of the bar. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we don't say who makes it out of the bar. Right, right. I mean, I, I don't... I would have made... I would have made it – I would have sort of shifted the episode. I mean, when I say I would have written a better movie, what I mean to say is I would have made significant changes to the movie. It's not like I would tweak this here or tweak that there. Yeah. I would take things that I thought worked and sort of change it out. It makes sense to me that this could be fleshed out into a series in some sense because you could have them, like, you know, getting to the bar as, like, the first episode – and then, mm -hmm. like, you know, more stuff going on and stuff after. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or the, I mean, I, I would be interested, maybe the, well, you said that the film starts, or the way the film starts is the way the series starts. I don't but know, I, I, mean, I, saw that, I saw that scene when I was in Kumas 2 with someone that wasn't George Clooney. At least that's <laughs> what I thought it looked like. Like I said, I, I wasn't paying that close of attention. 
how dare you? No, but um, I mean, it it would be compelling to see. Yeah, I don't know. There, okay, yeah, maybe we should also watch the series. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think well, you mentioned George Clooney, and I think that's another thing that I liked about the film. I mean, George Clooney and Harvey Keitel are totally awesome. Like uh, the kid actors weren't too bad. I don't think they were. They were like teenage actors. His family. Yeah. It was okay. They were okay. They were um, somewhat underdeveloped. Yeah. But, they they uh, kind of reminded me of, um, like, some of the people. Have you ever seen Mulholland Drive? Yes. Yeah. They the reminded me of, film. like, some of the moments in Mulholland Drive where she... There's, like, a scene where she comes off the plane and she's greeted by this family and they're, like... Not, she's not related to them, but they're really happy to see her. That kind of felt like the the son especially like yes they're family and they're happy to see each other but i'm not i don't find their relationship i don't really find the relationship that well acted like i I didn't really believe that they were that close yeah because they're kind of awkward they say when i first saw them in their first scene it seemed more like they were like friends i don't know it's. I thought that their first scene. I thought that they were like you know, another. I thought Harvey Cartel was another criminal, and they were gonna do something else. Ah, uh, yeah. So many possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um. Yeah. I also I, really liked. Uh, what's it? Um, Cheech Marin makes like three appearances as three different characters. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> one of I felt like, is that Cheech? Is that Cheech? It is. It is. And one of those characters goes on like a two minute rant. It's probably actually more like 45 seconds, but it's, he's like the hype man for the bar called Titty Twister. The and bar, he's just yeah. talking about all the types of pussy that they have inside this bar. And it was just really funny. Um, I mean, yeah, it like, it made me laugh out loud, and I thought like the bar. It's like the bar is called the Titty Twister, and you're just sort of like, oh, that's a funny name for a bar. But like, there's a giant neon sign of like someone twisting like, like, uh, like a girl's nipples, and it's painful. Like, it's not like a ha ha. It's like the there's like the neon sign of the hand moving, and then the face is like one of pain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bar is. Totally weird. Um, even I, without the vampires. <laughs> I love the part at the end, too, where, um, like, they, they, they go to the bar to meet up with this other criminal guy who says he's going to show up later, and he shows up at the very end, and it's day, and then George Clooney asks him, why do we go to this bar in the first place? And he's like, I don't know, like, one bar is good as another bar. This place looked nice, so I thought you, I would tell you to meet me here. And um, I thought that I like that scene a lot. The, the yeah. very ending. Yeah, it um, was very absurdist. But there are a lot of like weird moments in the movie. Like, so the, when the vampires start coming out, like they fight the vampire. It's first of all, it's like very just like surreal and weird. And um, two people join in to help them fight the vampire. The help. The family fight the vampires. Um, the family and the criminals fight the vampires. 
One of them's name is Sex Machine. <laughs> and the other one, I think, is Frost. Yeah. But just, like, one of the weirdest moments is a vampire comes charging. I think it was Frost. He comes charging at him. He just pulls his heart out and, and kills him. And I was just, it's just, like, it turned, the, the guy's a Vietnam vet, but he's not, like, a vampire hunter. Both, yeah. Like, Sex Machine and Frost seem like they really know what to do. But they're really just, like, random people in the bar who, I guess, have, have some combat experience. Yeah. But yeah. There, there's this scene where, like, you know, they, they, they killed a bunch of vampires and the corpses are lying on the ground. And I think Sex Machine is just like, aren't they supposed to burn up and disappear? And then they burn up and disappear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, would you say that's, like, part of the quirkiness of this movie or it's an awkward beat in the movie i mean i think it's intentional like i mean obviously but would you say that it kind of detracts or adds because sometimes things like that just don't land for whatever reason it just doesn't feel right i mean like i'm saying like there's the whole weirdness with the family dynamic like it kind of it kind of worked for me yeah yeah i think it, that worked for me too i mean it's it, to me it kind of fit with a lot of times the like Tarantino dialogue is very like weird and clever in that sort of way, you know? I'll tell one I'll tell you the moment that really didn't work for me was um Quentin Tarantino's character being a sex offender. That was so creepy. First of all, you could totally believe, like like I said, Quentin Tarantino, very like awkward. Like if there's a role that Quentin Tarantino can play convincingly, it's it's probably a a sex offender, but yeah. it was just like intentionally creepy. But like, definitely, like Quentin Tarantino just goes for it sometimes. Uh-huh. Like there's there's scenes that like in some of his movies, there's just things that you're like, is he gonna do it? Is he not gonna do it? And then he doesn't. You you just wince. Like in mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, despite you know his prolific use of, of the n word, um, like when he uses stuff in Django Unchained, like. They're looking for Mandingo fighters, which is yeah. like, totally brutal. Mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah, just just stuff like that. Or in yeah. uh, Heatful Eight, I, I, there's this scene where um, Samuel L. Jackson is trying to intimidate the like this the Southern general guy, and he just goes on and on, and it's kind of like we get the point, and it just goes like to a place that it's just sort of beyond really what you you needed to to be. And that's mm-hmm. definitely how I felt with Quentin Tarantino's sex offender in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of why I kind of didn't like the vampire part, which is like the whole second part of the film, because it felt like it was like a quick cop-out of kind of dealing with that character do you know what i mean yeah like they kind of resolved it but in a really cheap way and i would have been more fascinated with watching the bro the two brothers trying i mean they have this dynamic so for you haven't seen the movie like george clooney is george clooney you know he's like the smooth charismatic criminal He's a little bit darker than he usually plays, but, you know, he's still, like, he gives a speech. He's a businessman. Yeah, he where that. he's like, yeah. you know, 
I'm going to do my thing, and you better follow me, but if you follow me, we're going to end up all right, kids. Like, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And um, Quentin Tarantino's character is paranoid and just wants to kill everybody. Yeah, he's just... He has auditory hallucinations. Probably. Like, yeah, I mean, he does, because he thinks yeah. that the girl says something that she doesn't actually say. Um, you don't, I mean, you don't know if she actually said, you know, it's unreliable narrator but yeah you're you're you're, it seems like he has uh, auditory hallucinations and Mm -hmm. is just yeah yeah and that's part of his psychosis and like why he is yeah i mean that's sort like you know the beginning of the movie you have a family who's just who's like been kidnapped and they're just trying to get through it and there's whole this whole like you know preacher who doesn't really believe in God anymore dynamic going on. That's mm-hmm. um, that's what Harvey, Harvey Keitel's character is. And you have sort of that interesting dynamic played against um, the two criminal brothers, one of who is very businesslike, the other who the other whom is uh, very crazy, but they're brothers, so they kind of have to stick together. You have that sort of, like, dynamic playing against each other. And then they're just vampires. Yeah. And, it's, and all that... The, the film the sort of embraces the fact that, hey, having vampires doesn't make any sense. Like, there's there's a scene where they're talking about, how do I fight vampires? Like, what do we know about vampires, vampires and fighting vampires? And Harvey Keitel is like, you don't really know anything, you know. These are just rumors, things you read. We only know what we've seen th- thus far. Like, to make assumptions is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's something where someone says, oh, I think you can fight him with silver. And then like, oh, that's, that's a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you have that, like, it kind of embraces the weirdness there, which, which I liked, but yeah, it is kind of like, you kind of have these, this character development and that kind of ends once they get into the bar. Exactly. Once they get into the bar, you know, anything goes. Exactly. Or, and I feel like, I feel, yeah, I feel like there's like a, the, the resolutions of those character issues happen at the bar, but not in like a real way in a very like cheap kind of quick and dirty type of thing that doesn't seem earned. Right. And if I was remaking this movie, I would have, that's sort of what I would address. Yeah. I would try to have fuller character arcs. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, Frost and Sex Machine, there are pretty <laughs> funny characters. <laughs> I just liked how, <laughs> so um, Juliette Lewis plays the, the teenage girl and she's, she asks Sex Machine, like, what's your name? And he's like, Sex Machine. And then she's like, okay. And there's like, no, <laughs> no, like, she has no reaction. It's not like, that's a weird name. I guess because vampires. So why would you worry about people's names when you have to be fighting vampires? I but just assumed just... that they were, like, I don't know why Sex Machine and Frost were so good at fighting vampires. I think I said that, like, five minutes ago, but this something just really yeah. stands out to me. Like, the vampires are, like, destroying everyone, except for the family. Okay, I, I get that part. The family ran and hide, so it's not completely plot armor. But still, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, Frost and Sex Machine are just going out there and killing the vampires. Yo, they are 
Well, I think Sex Machine explains that their skin is softer, so they're like easier to puncture. Yeah, I know why. Se- like, I know why they could beat. Like, but why was Sex Machine alone able to? Why was he so good at fighting? Yeah, I don't know. And why? Why could Frost pull that guy's heart out? Because their skin is soft. Yeah. I okay. I I understand. Like you know, there are scenarios <laughs> we could pull someone's heart out. If their skin was softer, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not that's a that's a move that you don't practice doing in case you fight someone who you can rip their heart out. Like, yeah. Why could I he do not. like? Why would it be possible if someone trained to rip their heart out, someone's heart out? Like, okay. That that aside, why would it? Why would it, why why would you attack there? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. You know. We gotta take it up with the big T man, Tarantino. The T man. I don't know. We gotta find him. We gotta ask him that question. These are the questions <laughs> that I'm sure he gets all the time. I also, I don't know. I also really liked when George Clooney said, "Everybody be cool," because it reminded me of Pulp Fiction. The opening there, and I'm like, does he just reuse the same lines that he really likes? I mean, I would, I totally get it, but I mean, that's a just a normal thing to say if you're if you're a criminal. I know, but it's it's the same thing where he, you know, George Clooney's swinging the gun around and telling everybody to be cool, or else he's gonna shoot them. And I'm like, that's the same thing, you know. Everybody be cool is so robbery, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, okay, I'm going to dive in and give my, uh, like, rating, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it's, like, pass. I think if you're a Tarantino, yeah, I think if you're a Tarantino fan, then you definitely should watch the movie because, I mean, when you're a fan of something, you have to know all the material. Um, but if you're, I would say definitely if you have no... If you're not the type of person who likes um, Kill Bill or who likes Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, you know, his other early stuff, you're not going to like this film. I, I would give this movie a, like a three. I'm, I'm assuming you're giving it a two. What does three mean again? Three is like, you know, pretty, pretty decent. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> That surprises me. Yeah, I mean, I would give it a... Yeah, like I said, I'd give it a three. I think that it is worse... If you like Tarantino's movies, you'll probably like this one. But it's not as good as his other movies. Exactly. So I'm saying you should just rewatch another of his favorites. Um, no, but... Yeah. But I like I that. said, if you're, if you're a Tarantino fan, then yes, I think you should watch this movie because there's a good chance you'll like it. But I think it's his, I mean, he didn't direct it, so I don't know if we should be calling it his film. But I would, it's probably not Rodriguez's best film either. Although I think I've only seen parts of Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So I don't know if I can judge. But would, um, Yeah, it's, this is the life of Pablo of movies, you know. <laughs> is it? Is it okay? Is it good? It's got its moments. The opening scene is very good. Ultralight Beams is, is a good song. Um, is it better to watch it or re-listen to, um, you know, Twisted Dark Fantasy or College Dropout? 
It's a fair point. Yeah. That's my take on it. Cool. Any any other anything else that's burning about this film that you think is worth mentioning? Um, there's one more quote from George Clooney that I thought was really funny, and I hope to use it. Although I hope to never have a gun and threaten anybody with a gun, but at one point he says, "I have six friends, and they all run faster than you," and that's in reference to the six bullets in his revolver. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. 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 I lo- yeah, I thought George George Clooney is very nice in this movie. It was it was weird to see him in a Quentin Tarantino esque movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's just so different from all the other characters, but Yeah. But it was cool. I mean he made it for me. Him and Harvey he- Harvey Keitel. Without them, I think the film would have been so bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd quite go that far, but I mean, I, I like this movie a lot more than you did. Yes, which is fair. That's totally fine. Yeah. I I also might just be out outgrowing my Tarantino phase. Not to say that it's like a juvenile phase, but just that my time with Tarantino has ended. Maybe I don't value his work as much as I used to. You know? Yeah. You know how that happens with artists, you know, musicians and stuff. Except for Jeff Rosenstock. Except for Jeff Rosenstock. (sighs) Of course. So, but we'll see. I don't know. I've yet to see The Hateful Eight, so I will judge after seeing that. Uh, That's not going to change. You're probably not going to like it. Oh, damn. If you're on the downswing of Tarantino movies, I would not call Hatefully that, like, uh, that's not one of his better (laughs) movies. Damn it. Okay. Oh, well. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Yeah. Um, Tune in next time. With Movie To Be Determined. That's the name of the movie, To Be Determined. (laughs) Yeah. Matinee, matinee, manatee, manatee. Manatee. Woo. Wasn't there another thing? I don't, I don't, what do you, I don't know. Matinee, matinee. Manatee, manatee. Have a wonderful day. Hooray. Hooray. (laughs) All right, cool.